You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Okay, all right. Y'all ready to get in the Word tonight? I'm ready. I hope you came ready. I hope you came ready to take some good notes. Where are my note takers at? We like to take notes here. We got some note takers here. So I want to encourage you. Uh, we do this every week, but, but I mean it. That's why I do it every week. I want to encourage you, do whatever you need to do to put yourself in the place that you're going to hear God tonight. So for you, maybe that looks like getting your phone out and opening up the notes app. Maybe for you, that's a bad idea because you're going to get distracted and you're going to find yourself on Instagram. So you need to get your journal. Anybody got their journals tonight? Maybe you need to handwrite. That's cool. I like to handwrite. Maybe... Maybe for you, you're sitting next to your best friend and you need to move, not because they stink, um, but because you love them and you're going to talk to them. And that's okay. Best friends are good. But I promise you, whatever you need to do tonight, whatever sacrifice that you need to make in order to hear God, I'm telling you, it's worth the reward. Seriously, it's worth it. It's worth whatever sacrifice um, that you are willing to take. And so if you're ready for God's word, let me know. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Well, uh, if, you've, if you're taking notes tonight or you're following along with me, we're going to start off in Philippians chapter 3. Um, but before we get there, maybe you haven't been to New Song students ever before, or maybe you weren't here last week or it's been a couple weeks. If that's you, hey, what's up? We're excited you're here. Welcome back. But we are currently in a really stinking good series. We're in a series currently where we are stepping out into some really different territory. It's really quickly becoming one of my all-time favorite series here at New Song Students. And that's saying something because we cover some really good stuff here. Um, But this series is called In the Gray. In the Gray. And in this series, our heart is to step out into some uncomfortable territory, maybe some, uh, some taboo topics, some things that aren't normally talked about in church, but if we're being real, you're thinking about them. You're probably dealing with some of these things on a daily basis. You're probably hearing about this stuff at school or outside of church, but the thing is sometimes we don't talk about it in the church because we're too afraid to, and there's a couple reasons why. I think maybe one of the reasons why sometimes we're too afraid to talk about the topics that we're going through in this series is because the answer to the question is kind of gray, kind of like the name of the series. It's kind of unclear. We don't really know what the right answer is, and so we just avoid it altogether, which is, that's not a good thing to do. We need to talk about these things. Sometimes we don't talk about these topics because uh, we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to offend somebody that is outside of the church church, or believes something different than us, and so we just don't go there because it's like, it's just easier not to mess with it, right? Sometimes we avoid it because of that. Sometimes we avoid it because of the cultural pressures of our day. Sometimes, I don't know if you've felt this way before, but it can seem like the world that we live in is so loud about what it's for and what the world is against. And at times it can seem like the church, the bride of Christ, is not as loud about what she's for and what she's against. Are you hearing me? And so sometimes because the megaphone of culture is just screaming at you all day long, in school, through social media, through whatever, sometimes that causes us as Christians to just kind of shy away 
and avoid some of these harder topics. But our heart for you New Song students is that, just like we learned in week one that Peter t- told us in, in 1 Peter, that you and I can actually be prepared. Somebody say prepared. prepared. We can be prepared to communicate and to wrestle with and to talk about and stand firm in Jesus no matter what. Are you hearing me? No matter what the world says, no matter what your feelings say, we can talk about this stuff. We can deal with it now so that you can be ready. You can be prepared because here's, here's something we got to understand, New Song students. If the church, us, if we don't take the time to answer these questions, then guess who will answer them? The world is going to give you an answer. If we don't take the time to talk about it here, your friend's going to give you an answer to these questions. It might not be the right answer, but they'll provide you with an answer or one day, you'll, you'll go into college, you'll have a professor. Maybe this professor hates God. Maybe they hate the kingdom of God and they don't want anything to do with God. Guess what? They'll give you an answer to some of these questions. Yeah. It just might not be the right answer. Are you hearing me? Yeah. And so the heart behind this is we want to give you the answers because your friends, your future college professors, your feelings are gonna try to answer all of these things, but we want the truth. Somebody say, give me the truth. Give me that truth. That's right. And so that's our heart. We want you guys to be prepared. So uh, we're going in. We're going into the gray. We're talking about the gray because I believe that talking about it now, I believe it. I believe it can save your relationship with God forever. I've seen so many of my friends personally, people that I've done life with, not wrestle with these things and then go out into the world and the world offered them all of these answers and they ended up leaving the church one day they, they decided to leave their faith and I'm telling you that breaks my heart and I don't think that has to be your story, New Song students. I really don't. And so that is why we're talking about all this. So if you've missed any of the weeks so far, um, here's what you need to know. We've got a podcast and it's awesome. It's awesome. You can search New Song students, OKC, wherever you listen to music, wherever you listen to podcasts and you can listen to every single message that happens here at New Song Students. It's pretty dope. And I would especially encourage you, if you've missed any of the weeks of this series, go back and listen to it. Any, anybody listen to the podcast? I know some of y'all listen to the podcast. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. So go back and listen if you've missed it. But just to really quickly recap, in week one, we talked about this thing called postmodernism. Whoa, big word. And we talked about the problem of postmodernism and how it says that truth doesn't exist. But what did we learn? We learned that truth absolutely does exist. It's a person. It's Jesus. Then we also talked about this thing called doubt. Y'all remember that? Talked about doubt. How the enemy loves to use this thing called doubt to get you and I to fall, to trip, and to turn the other way and walk away from God. But we learned that you can actually use doubt as a starting block. Do you remember that? A starting block to run closer to God. You can grow closer to God through doubt than you ever thought possible. Amen? Amen. Last week, we, uh, we were not playing around here. We, we went into some spicy topics, some hot topics, literally, <laughs> because last week we talked about hell. So that's a hot topic. I don't know about you, but it was good. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to it if you missed it. Um, and one more thing before we get into the word tonight, I've got some very special news for you. I come bearing gifts um, because... I got a guest speaker alert for y'all. Somebody say guest speaker alert. Next week, 
we have the privilege, the honor of getting to hear from our very own Pastor Sarah. And uh, I mean, I mean, do I really need to say anything else? Like, don't miss that, y'all. You want to be there for that message. It's going to be so good. Somebody said, I'm already there. I'm already there. And uh, with that being said, we need to get into this, this juicy topic tonight because it's thick with three Q's and a CK, and <laughs> thick, and uh, I've got a lot of notes for you, so um, I hope you're ready to dive in. We're talking about something that has thousands and thousands of different perspectives and has very quickly in the last couple of years with COVID and just everything that we've seen in our world recently, it's been a very, very divisive topic recently in our nation. And it's this thing called politics. I love, I actually don't really care about politics that much until recently. So we're going to be talking about politics tonight. And you might be like, why are we talking about politics? This is church. Why does this matter? Well, I hope by the end of this message that you learn that it actually really does matter, but there's an order to it. Are you hearing me? There's an order to where this matters in your life, how it should matter in your life, and, and what really Jesus sees the role of politics in your life. We're going to talk about all of that tonight, um, and I believe it's going to be really, really good. Um, but just to, before we get into this word, like some of, the, some of the reasons why I think we should talk about this as believers is because politics has become such a divisive thing in our world today, such a divisive uh, thing in our nation recently. And it's caused Christians to do, I think, two things. It's caused some Christians to check their faith off at the door when they enter into the realm of politics. Are you hearing me? So it's like I'm a Christian, but then when I talk about politics or when I step into the realm of government and all this stuff, I don't act like I'm a Christian or I don't talk about that stuff. And then there's the other extreme where I think Christians have used their faith as a weapon for politics. Are you hearing me? And so what we're going to find out tonight is what, what's, what's Jesus's heart on politics? Because we really want to be followers of Jesus, right? Who's practicing the way of Jesus this year? I know I am, and I hope you are too. And so, so what's Jesus's stance on politics? Have you ever thought this before? Like, what would Jesus do if he lived in 2020? <laughs> or like 2021, or the past couple years, like if Jesus was on the earth in the last couple of years, would you have seen him in a BLM shirt? Would you have seen Jesus at a Trump rally with a MAGA hat? We don't know. Would you have seen, hey, when, when the mask stuff started going down, lockdown, we're going there, y'all, is this okay? When the mask stuff started happening, would Jesus have worn a mask? Would Jesus have gotten the vaccine? Would he have rejected all of that stuff? You know, I don't know specifically what he would have done, but I do know what his word says. And here's the thing. I do know God is good. His word is clear because he's a good father. And his word is clear because the things that God cares about, he wants you and I to walk in. And so he's not unclear and, and, and confusing about this stuff. He's actually really clear. We just have to take the time to dig in. Are you following me, New Song students? So tonight we're going to look at God's word because I don't really care about your opinion and I hope you don't really care about my opinion. Let's just be real. We, we care about what God says about this topic. 
And so if you don't really like what I have to say, you can talk to my boss after service, okay? He's, you, know, you can talk to him. He wrote the manual, all right? So, um, so we're going to get into this. Philippians chapter 3. You ready for this to do song, students? All right, I'm going to read this passage. Um, and I love Paul's attitude in this passage. It's actually not talking specifically about politics, but I think his attitude and what he talks about at the end actually does apply to us today. So you ready to jump in? It's a little chunky. Can you hang in? Let's do this. Here's what it says. This is Paul. He says, I'm not saying that I have all of this together, that I have it made. Pause. Can I just say that's my heart tonight? (laughs) I'm just your youth pastor. Are you hearing me? I'm not a political scientist. I'm just a youth pastor, but I do love God's word. I love God. And so I hope that you can see, as I, as I try to answer this really juicy question tonight, I am humbly coming to you guys, giving you this answer. I'm like Paul. I'm saying this. I don't have this all figured out, but here's what I know God says. Are you ready? Let's continue. It says, I don't know how I have all, all this figured out, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Amen. Amen. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Somebody say, Jesus is the goal. Just off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Let's keep focused on Jesus. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. Amen. You'll see it yet. Not that we're on the right track. Let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those of you you see running this same course, heading for the same goal. There are many out there. Listen to this part. This is really important. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. There's many people outside of these this church, outside of God's family, they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff and they're gonna try and pull you in to their side, to their party. Are you hearing me? Let's continue, look at this. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross, but easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods, belches their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. Okay, Verse 20 and 21, this is where the really, really good stuff is. I want you to lean in. Maybe if you've got a Bible with you, underline this. This is our heart in this topic. Here we go. But there is far more to life for us. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. We're waiting the arrival of our Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. Somebody say amen. Amen. That is a good passage. We are citizens of heaven. All right, before we get into this word, let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in to check our hearts, to soften our hearts, to speak to us tonight. Father, I thank you so much for New Song students. I praise you that we are going to a church, that we are a part of a family that is not afraid to go into the gray. 
And I know that there are times where we could just simply avoid this kind of topic. We could just run the other way. We could be apathetic toward this, towards this kind of topic. But God, you've called us to be agents of change in our world. And so when it comes to politics, even if we're just students, even if that's something we're not even gonna deal with for a couple of years, would you transform our minds tonight? Holy Spirit, we invite you in to transform our minds. And I pray every single student would hear your voice tonight, would hear your direction, your vision for politics, for government, for our world. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 All right. Tonight's message, just want to give you a heads up. It's going to be a little more teachy, okay? It's going to be a little more teachy, not as messagey. I don't have any like personal stories tonight, um, but I still believe God is really going to speak through this word, and I believe it's an important topic to talk, to talk about. And like I said, man, how, how divided is our nation recently? Like, you guys know it. I mean, the last couple of years have been pretty crazy politically. It seems like the second you bring up the word politics anywhere, like, everybody kind of starts to tense up a little bit. Everybody starts to tense up because everybody's got a side, and everybody thinks their side is right. And everybody thinks the person on the other side, whether it's the left or the person on the right, they think they are breaking America. <laughs> are you hearing me? Yeah. We all think everybody's got the right answer. Um, but we as believers, I think we are, we, we're supposed to be people who are set apart. Yeah. We're supposed to be people who are setting the example for the world when it comes to this kind of topic. And, um, and, and, I, and, I, and I do want to say, like, before we get anywhere tonight, I think we as believers, before we get anywhere into, into the topic of politics, we should have the heart posture that we understand we are blessed to live in the nation that we live in. Yeah, yeah. Like no matter how broken or off that you think our nation is, taking a step back and, and realizing like you're actually very privileged to live in the nation that you live in. Yeah. Do you hear me? Yeah. And I'm not saying America's perfect at all. I'm not saying we should just sit back and coast and just take whatever happens and not try to change things. Uh, but what I am saying is that I think if Christians took this mindset of before I'm gonna fight you about my opinion, I'm gonna be thankful that I've been placed in this nation, I think that would shift the political environment entirely. Are you hearing me, New Song students? Like remembering, it's remembering that you could have been born anywhere, but you were born in America. You know, I've had the the opportunity, the privilege of getting to travel to a couple different countries, whether that was for a mission trip or a vacation. And can I tell you, uh, when I was on that plane coming home, no matter how cool that country was, I wasn't thinking, oh man, I wish I lived there. Like, no, I was thankful that I was coming home to our nation. And I'm telling you, I think if that was our heart posture just to start off, that like, man, we are so blessed to live in America, like we live in a nation that is thriving so much more than any other nation. And, and, and us taking that heart posture first, I think would give us some clearer vision on how to answer the rest of this political issue that we find ourselves in today. Can I get an amen? Um, and so let's define what politics actually is because that's a loaded word. Like, if somebody came up to you and was like, hey, could you define to me what politics are? Yeah. Would anybody be able to like clearly define what that is? 
I don't know if I could before I found this definition because when you bring this word up, it comes with so much baggage today, so much baggage. And so before we go anywhere tonight, we need to define what in the world is politics. So I've got a definition for you if you want to take a picture of it or try to write it down. Here's the definition of politics. It's the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. Okay, you're probably like, that, that definition did not clear things up for me, Pastor Jackson. And that's okay. I read this and I was like, that kind of makes sense, but that doesn't help me a whole lot. And I think personally, a, a good way to understand what politics is is by looking at what politics is trying to do. So I wanna give you what the goal of, of politics is, not necessarily what it is, but what it's trying to do. So I'm gonna give you four things that, that government is trying to do in a country. And this is what every government, somebody say every government. This is what every government is trying to do through politics, whether they're doing it right or wrong, whether they're doing it well and ethically or, or unethically, doesn't matter. They're still trying to do these four things. The first thing is this. Number one, the commendation of good. What does that mean? Every nation is trying to define to their people, this is what we believe good is. Are you following me? Yeah. This is what we believe is good in our nation. Second thing is this, the punishment of evil. So every nation's got sinful people. Yeah. I mean, this room has some sinful people in it. Can I get an Amen. And so because of that, nations have to decide what they view as evil and what should be punished. Second thing, or third thing is this, write this down, the maintenance of peace. So every, every government, every political person is trying to maintain peace and create laws and create um, ordinances and things to maintain peace in their land. And the last thing is this, the protection of the oppressed. The protection of the oppressed. So every government, every single one is trying to do these four things. They're trying to define what's good. They're trying to punish what's evil. They're trying to maintain peace. And then finally, they're trying to help the oppressed. Are you following me, New Song students? Yeah. Now, when I look at this, this is what I think of. I think of morals. Like, what is morals? Morals are what we believe is right and what we believe is wrong. So I think we could actually boil down this whole big idea of what is politics into this. Politics is attempting to set the standard for morality. Write that down if you're taking notes. Politics is trying to set the standard. They're trying to define to a nation what exactly is good and what exactly is bad. So it's asking questions like, how do we treat people fairly? How do we, call the, how, how do we define this crime? What do we think we should do when somebody does this? How do we take care of them? This is all of the things politics is trying to answer. Let me give you a couple examples of this, real world examples. Another one, or uh, one of them is this. It's this thing called healthcare. You ever heard of healthcare before? Yeah. Healthcare is a thing that falls under this umbrella of politics. It's the government asking the question, how should we provide healthcare for the people that live in our land? Now, all countries think that they should do that differently. There are some countries in the world where you're a citizen and you get free health care. That sounds pretty good, right? 
And it does sound pretty good, but there are, there's a cost to everything. And so even though they might get free health care, it's going to cost someone something somewhere. And our nation is set up a little bit differently. We don't provide free health care for everybody. But every nation is trying to figure out what do we believe? What do we believe we should do? Here's another one I want to give to you is taxes. You ever heard of taxes before? Who's ever, already, who's ever done taxes before? Any students with a job? You done taxes? Not fun. I just did mine. Not fun. Not fun. But we did get a, we, if you have kids, you get money back. It's kind of awesome. So have kids. Um, but <laughs> amen, amen. Don't have kids yet. Get married first. Trust me, you do, you do not want to have kids yet. But when you get married, have some kids. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Taxes. Okay. <laughs> Taxes. Okay. Every government, every government is trying to define how are we going to receive money so we cannot die, right? We need to have money to continue being a nation. So how much money are we going to take from our people that we think is fair, how much money are we going to take? Are we going to take this much, and is that going to help them? Or are we going to take this much, and that's going to actually oppress them and keep them down and keep them from thriving? Are you following me, New Song students? Yeah. I know this is kind of a deep topic, but we're, we're going in there. Last one is this. This is a really good example. This one is a little bit more close to home, I think, for us in our country, is this thing called abortion. So every, every person right now in our country politically is trying to define how does our nation see this thing abortion? How, how do we define? Is this thing abortion something that we allow people to do? Is that something that we keep? Is that a choice that we need to keep from women? Uh, at what point does the human baby become a baby? Like at what point is that person inside of the womb considered a person? These are things that politics is trying to answer. Are you following me? So, so even though this is a very gray topic because, there, because if you think about it, politics touches every single part of our life, right? When you think about it in these kind of ways, politics is a big deal because it, it touches every single aspect of your life and everybody on the planet, especially in America, has their own way of what is right and what is wrong. They have their own opinion of what is right and what is wrong. But here's what we got to understand as believers, as Christians. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm not talking about people in America that are not believers. I'm talking about you, New Song students. Here's what we got to understand as believers. If you're a Christian, then you don't get to make the standards. Are you following me? Yeah, we, we don't get to make the standards. God's actually gave us yeah. his standards. Because look at this. If politics is attempting to set the standard for morality, well, let's continue and look at this. Write this down. God gives us the standard for morality. God gives us his standard for morality. In other words, as Christians, we understand that there actually is a right and a wrong. Like we believe that there is a right way to live life and, and, and when you live life in that way, you will flourish. And that doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. There's a creative order to the way God has set up the world. And so we believe that morals come from God. A, a great example of this is with Moses. Y'all remember Moses? Split the Red Sea, you know that dude? Well, when God used Moses, you know, he frees the children of Israel from Egypt. And Egypt was an evil nation. They were a bad nation. 
And when, they were, when, when Israel was freed from Egypt, they actually weren't a nation yet. They were just like a big, massive family. And God took them to Mount Sinai to make them a nation. God actually wanted to make them not just a, a nation, but a holy nation. And so God calls Moses up to the top of the mountain. You remember this, right? And God's like, hey, Moses, how's freedom feeling? Feels good? Freedom feels good. That's right. Now, I want to make you guys a holy nation. I want to make you guys a, such an amazing nation that when all the other nations around see you guys, they're like, dude, only God could have done that. Your God is the true living God. But you know what God didn't say to Moses? He didn't say, all right, this is what I want to do with you. Now go down to the people and you see what they think they should do about their nation. No, 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 no. What did God do? What did he give them? The Ten Commandments. God gave Moses the standard. Because remember, God is good. He's a good father. He's clear because he loves you. And so he didn't give Moses this plan of, hey, I want you to build a nation and you figure it out. No, no, no. God gave Moses, we could say it like this, he gave Moses the politics. He gave Moses the standard of how to govern his nation. And here's what's really cool about God's law. Even though we are not the children of Israel today, we did not just come out of Egypt. The Bible actually says, this is so cool, that God's law is written on human hearts. It's written on human hearts. Whether people believe it or not, whether they realize it or not, God's law is written on our hearts. Look at this. I want to read it to you. Romans 2 says this. It says, when outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it, more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien. It's not imposed on us. This part's so cool. But it's woven into the very fabric of our creation. You following me? There's something deep within us that echoes God's yes and God's no, right and wrong. I love that passage. There's something deep in all of us, whether you're a believer or not, that echoes stealing is wrong, right? <laughs> Murder is wrong. Lying is wrong. All of these things that whether you're a believer or not, you believe those things are wrong. Well, why do you believe them? It's because God put it on your heart. God wrote the law on your heart. He wrote morality on your heart, whether you believe it or not. God, he, he has a creative order for how he designed the world to function. And our world's always gonna try and do it our own way and not trust God's way. But I promise you, when we start to align our will with God's will, whether you're a believer or not, your nation will thrive. Are you hearing me? So when it comes to politics, though, how should Christians interact in the political world? How would Jesus have interacted in the political world? Because if we're being honest, the past couple years, I've seen some Christians not act like Jesus, okay? And I've seen some other Christians not do anything. So what would have, what would have Jesus done? Like, what would have Jesus done? We need to ask this question. Well, I love this. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1.9, it says there's nothing new under the sun. And that really is true. Even though today, in the past couple years, like politics has been crazy and our world is so divided, it's actually not a new situation. It's happened before. And when Jesus was on the earth, 
they were in a pretty similar situation. They were in a nation that was completely divided. We're actually going to look in Matthew 22. There's a story that I think speaks a lot of life, a lot of clarity into this gray area when it comes to topics. But let me bring you up to speed real quick on what's happening here. So during Jesus' time on earth, Israel, uh, they had been overrun by this empire. They're called the Roman Empire. You ever heard of them before? The Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire had basically like colonized Israel. They had taken over Israel and they were starting to, it's kind of like what we see today. They were starting to secularize their, their nation. They were starting to become less and less and less of a Jewish nation and more and more and more of a secular nation. And so the Roman nation was trying to eradicate Jewish culture. They were trying to bring in new customs. They were trying to get them to worship Caesar and worship all these other gods. And so what happened was uh, there was a shift in Jewish people. There was a, a shift. And some people called the Pharisees, y'all heard of the Pharisees? We know the Pharisees. They went in one direction, and we'll, we'll go into what they went into in just a second. And then there was another group called the Herodians. Somebody say the Herodians. And they went into another one. But let's see what Jesus says about all of this, all right? Matthew twenty two fifteen says this. Then the Pharisees went about and plotted how to entangle him in his words. So they're trying to trip up Jesus, and they sent him to, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. This is interesting to me. The Pharisees and the Herodians hate each other. They're actually on complete opposite ends of their political spectrum, but I think it's interesting that they didn't like Jesus. They didn't like what Jesus was for, so even though they had differences, they came together against Jesus. I think that tells me something, that no matter what side you choose, if you're not on the side of Jesus, you're against Jesus. So we need to make sure we're on Jesus's side first, but let's look at these, these people for a second. The Pharisees, now the Pharisees and the Herodians, it doesn't line up perfectly. This is kind of just a caricature. It, are, you, are you hearing me? It, it's not a perfect match, but if we were to compare them to our nation today, the Pharisees are kind of like people on the far, far, far extreme conservative right end of our nation today. So super Republican. Are you following me? I know this is deep. The Herodians were on the far, far other end of the spectrum. They were progressive. They were, they were okay with the Roman Empire coming in and doing whatever they wanted to do to their nation. But the Pharisees were not. They wanted their nation to be a, a Jewish nation. And so they were split down the middle. They were enemies. And they tried to trap Jesus in what he was saying. Look at what it says. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. I love how they're just like doctoring up Jesus for a second. They're like making Jesus feel real good. And then they bring in the punchline. They ask him this. Tell us then, what do you think is lawful? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So in this moment, Jesus is pinned up in a corner. Because they are trying to get him to pick a side. Are you hearing me? Yeah. They've got their sides on the political spectrum. And they're like, Jesus, who's right? Us or them? Pick a side. And Jesus is in a trap. Because if Jesus says, uh, if Jesus says yes 
you need to pay your taxes to Caesar, then he would have looked like he was siding with the Herodians. And the Pharisees would have been like, see, Jesus is a sellout. He's compromising his faith in God. He doesn't even care about God. All he cares about is the government. But if he said, no, don't pay that tax, then he would have looked like somebody who was against government, somebody who was against society, somebody who was, an, who was an endangerment to society. In fact, there was Pharisees called zealots, and they were violent. They were against the government, and they would fight the Roman Empire. So if Jesus said, no, nah, don't pay taxes to Caesar, he would have looked like a zealot. Are you hearing me? Yeah. So what did Jesus do? What side did he pick? Let's see, what, let's see what happened. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why do you put me to, te- to the test, you hypocrites? Jesus is bad. I wish I could call somebody a hypocrite with a straight face, but I'm not that bold. <laughs> Show me the coin for the tax. And when they brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, whose likeness is on the inscription? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, this is the, the really juicy part. He said to them, therefore, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled. (laughs) They're like, dang, I was not expecting that. And they left him and went away. Okay, we have covered a ton of ground so far tonight. Are you hanging in with me? This This is where we're getting to the part I really want you to lean in with me. Here's the first thing that we've got to understand when it comes to Jesus in politics. This is Jesus's heart, and this should be your heart too, New Song students. Disciples are called to be dual citizens. Disciples are called to be dual citizens. I love how Jesus responded to these two groups of people. They're trying to get him to pick, hey, what are you? Are you conservative or progressive? Are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? What are you? What side are you on? And Jesus tells them this, I actually don't fit into any of your earthly categories. I don't fit into any of your earthly categories because guess what? I'm not from an earthly kingdom. I'm not from an earthly kingdom, so I don't fit into your earthly categories. Now, I'm not, this is what I'm not saying, New Song students. I'm not saying that it's wrong for you to one day grow up and lean more towards one side. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that when you grow up or even right now, maybe you're really into politics. That's cool. I definitely wasn't at your age. (laughs) But maybe you are and you lean more progressive or you lean more conservative. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I am saying is it's been hard as a believer to see other Christians over the past couple years relate more to a party than the kingdom that they're a part of. Are you hearing me? Like, I I don't have a problem with you being on a side What I do have a problem with, though, is when that side is the side that you're on so loud that nobody else even knows that you're a dual citizen. We're called to be dual citizens. We're called to be dual citizens because this what? You're not from this world. You're not for this world. You're for another kingdom. You're a dual citizen. I love what John Tyson says. He's one of my favorite pastors. He said, apart from Pastor Josh, obviously, obviously. But John Tyson says this. He says, you should have more in common with a believer in another country than you do with an unbeliever in your own country. I'm gonna just read that again because that's really good. You should have more in common with a believer in another country than you do with an unbeliever 
in your own country. Could I say it this way? More than an unbeliever in your own political party. You should have more in common with somebody on a different nation if they're a believer, if they're your brother and sister in Christ. So I think if we as Christians are going to be participating in politics, which we should, by the way, we're going to get to, get to that in a second, we have to start with this. You're a dual citizen. You're not from this world. You are a dual citizen. You're, you're, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, which how cool is that, by the way? That's super cool. Next thing is this. Write this down. Disciples are called to give government honor. Now, here's the really interesting thing about the story that we find with Jesus. The Roman Empire, they're like a lot worse than America is today. They're actually oppressing the Jewish people. Like, Jesus' people, they were oppressing them. And even in that oppression, Jesus says, honor Caesar. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Look at this. Romans 13 says this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Uh, As we continue, I want to invite the band to come up. I don't know if the band's in here, but you guys can start making your way up. Uh, As Christians, check this out. We are called, absolutely, to participate in politics. I'm not saying that politics don't matter. They definitely do. And you're called to participate in them, but it has to be with the spirit of honor. It has to be with the spirit of honor. You see, some of the Jews of this day, they asked Jesus this question because that coin that Jesus was talking about, it has Caesar's face on it. And at the bottom, it said this. It was inscribed, Caesar is Lord. So a Jewish person of that time thought that if you paid taxes, you were committing idolatry. So like, it makes sense why they didn't want to do it. I get that. But even in that kind of environment, Jesus says, honor Caesar. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But don't give to Caesar what's God's. Are you hearing me? So how do we participate in politics today, New Song students? How do we participate? What what is your role? What's my role? Well, I want to give you three things that you can do, not now, because one of them is voting, but we'll get to that in a second. You can do that. You can do all of these things very soon. First thing is this: you can vote. You can vote. Now, obviously, a lot of everybody in here is under 18. Any 18-year-olds yet? We got an 18-year-old. Boom. So you can vote. Uh, but most of us in the room, we can't vote yet. But here's the thing. Uh, we live in a really blessed nation. We live in a democracy. And so you actually have the opportunity to vote. And, and uh, uh, ooh, I lost my spot. One second. Uh, but one day, when you, get to, when you get to the polls, when you get to the opportunity where you can vote, you're going to hear this kind of mentality yelled at you, especially from unbelievers. Well, you don't need to bring faith into politics. You don't, need to, you, don't need to, you don't need to bring your faith into politics. That's, that's a secular thing. But here's the thing. We live in America. We literally live in a country that says you're allowed to vote for what you believe in. And so as a believer, here's what I'm trying to say. It would, be, it would make no sense for you to say I'm a Christian and then go into the voting polls and not vote Christian morals. 
I love this quote from Nathan Finocchio. He says this, if you have the privilege of being a Christian in a democracy, you are called to be consistent as a Christian in your voting when you serve your country. So what I'm, what I'm basically trying to say is one day when all of you vote, it would be crazy for you to call yourself a Christian, but then compartmentalize your faith when you go and vote. Who cares what the world says? We live in America. That means you can vote for what you believe in. And if you're a Christian, you should vote for what you believe God set the standard up for. Amen? Amen. That is okay. You're allowed to do that. The next thing that we all should be doing now, because you can do this no matter what age you are, is this. Pray. You can participate in politics by praying. Look at this. 1 Timothy 2 says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. You know, New Song students, I really do. I wonder what our country would look like if Christians spent the same amount of time praying as we have complaining about our government over the past couple of years. Seriously, seriously, our, our nation, we have spent a lot of time complaining, pointing the finger, blaming. I promise you, I believe prayer works. I've seen prayer work in my life. Prayer is powerful. If you as a Christian got so upset about something politically and then chose to pray about it, I promise you God would do something. I dare you to do that. In fact, the next time that you feel like, you know, tempted to, to jab somebody about their politics or complain on social media or whatever, ask yourself this question, have I prayed about it yet? Yeah. Have I prayed for them yet? Because I promise you, if, if we as believers prayed about our government as much as we complained about it, we would see a completely different nation. We really would. And the next thing is this, humble conversations. Humble conversations. I think if we, as Christians, as believers, set the tone for our nation by having humble conversations about politics, our nation wouldn't be so divided. Because here's the thing, I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers, but we serve a God who does. We serve a God who does, and he will work all of that out in us, but it's not gonna happen when you're constantly jabbing people, when, you're const when there's no compromise. Look at this, Titus, two, Titus 3 says this, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. We need to have humble conversations. And the last thing is this, disciples are called to give God our hope. We don't give our government our hope. We don't give the president that we want our hope. No, 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 no. We give to Caesar what's Caesar's. He can take our taxes. They can take our vote. But you know what they don't get? They don't get your hope. We give God our hope. God gets our hope. Look at this, Psalm 22, 28. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. Here's the amazing thing that you get to walk in as a believer. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter who's in office, 
it really doesn't matter who's doing whatever in the political realm, whatever happens, because guess what? At the end of the day, Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, not the president. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, not the governor. And we should participate in all this stuff, but you as a believer, you get to walk on a higher level because you're not of this world. And so no matter what happens, guess what? Your hope's not shaken because you don't give the president your hope. You give Jesus your hope. You don't give politics your hope. You give Jesus your hope. Are you following me, New Song students? So tonight, as we get ready to close, I want you to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.